Thank you. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Lord, we believe you have heard our prayers. All that we have asked, as your word says, that we believe we have the petitions we have made of you. Thank you. We believe this morning we haven't sought you in vain. We believe that, that heaven has received incense from our hearts. And Lord, we are just asking that you bless us Come and uh, fellowship with us. Um, we covet your thoughts tonight, this morning. We all we deeply desire your thoughts. We want you. We want to fellowship with your mind. We want to commune with you, Lord Jesus. Open up your heart even more. Let streams of mercy flow, Lord, to us. Thank you. I pray for every heart. Make our hearts spiritually conducive for blessing this morning. Let your dew rest upon every, every soul. Thank you for utterance, for grace. Thank you. Measure, measure, measure. The Spirit. Faramasuri kaporodea la suriyama. Resting, resting. Mekaresia, refrenó. Alamrehetise, adikrehemono. Capadora, tapanadora, apanadora, embredora. Ayamanamnos, Efreheno, Mekano, 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 Mekanios, Metricia pros, Tefreno, Thahena. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Um, let's open our Bibles um, to Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Praise Jesus. Um, I feel that those prayers are very useful to us. Um, I don't know, should we continue praying? I just feel. Yes, 
that we should. Um, um, it's good to, to pray the word, the word of God, because they are, whatever is revealed to us are things, those are the things you ask for. He said that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll ask. That the, the, the word empowers you to ask because you, you ask for the right things. Praise Jesus. We'll continue to pray more and more. Um, I believe that we'll find, um, we'll find ways, opportunities to, to pray, to invest more in prayer. Um, as it's becoming clearer what the Lord wants to do, uh, not just among us, but in this place, um, as the Lord is making his intentions clearer to us, it's um, sort of like a, it's a mandate to pray, right? Because you, you have a sense of what the Lord wants to do. So we will be praying, we'll find new ways to pray a lot more by God's grace. Glory to God. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, verse 8, it says that by, for, praise God. Let's just read quickly verse 6. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to, toward us through Jesus Christ in the, the ages to come. So this showing is not just maybe a um, a vain display of something. It's not showing, showing. It's not the kind of show that we, the sense of showing that we know, um, which is mostly a display of vanity. But this is not a vain display. It's not showing for showing's sake. This showing means actually means a manifestation that that there are things that um, his kindness, um, which is his present kindness towards us through Jesus Christ are doing in us that are, will not fully be, be shown in the present age. Do you see that? And, and it's one thing that we should all have settled with already, that the promise of the gospel is both for the life that now is, as the Bible says, remember, and then that which was, that which is to come. But we know it's more about that which is to come than the present. And that's what a lot of people don't get about the Bible, that it's not really a book of the present. It's actually a book about a world to come. And 
But it's not just about the word. It also, also shows how to get to that place. So it's saying, the Bible is a, is a map of is a map of journey to the future age. It's a, it's a map that, that gives, it's not just pointers, but also ability, enablement for journeying of men into an age to come. So I don't know, are you interested in another age? Yes, sir. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. And it's not just one, he calls it ages to come. Endless ages. Um, what you call forever and ever. Uh, that there are ages in God. Uh, praise Jesus. Um, so it says that in, this, in those ages, which are times to come, that he will begin to show, that showing is, of course, a manifestation of um, what he calls exceeding riches of grace. So I mean, the things that grace has have deposited, but have been deposited for an ex, a manifestation in an age that is not yet present. That there's so much that the grace of God delivers to you that you can't really use. There's a lot you can use to the extent to which it can be converted and conserved in the present. But the fullness of the, the exceeding riches, that's why they're called exceeding. They're not just, you're not just, not just riches, but this, they are riches of excellency, that riches that, that exceed the present way. You can't fully, there's no scale in the present that you can put the riches of his glory, right, or what he calls the weight of glory, that weight of glory um, that is at our, the trials of this present time, is right, cannot be compared with what? The glory that will be revealed in us. Praise Jesus. He, he spoke about our light affliction, which is, if you sum our afflictions up, they are light <laughs> compared to, <laughs> praise God, they, all the afflictions of men, I mean the afflictions of the gospel, which the, the way of truth, which the path of the gospel opens up, that they are called light afflictions compared to what they are working out. If I reckon... This is sufferings, but he spoke about the light afflictions, which is but for a moment. This that word moment, that's Second Corinthians chapter four. Moment here is also creating a contrast between with eternal, with what he calls ages that are to come. So if you look at the there is no affliction that that lasts for more than a moment in the grand scheme of things, no matter how it feels, but there is no affliction. Every affliction is light. Praise God. He says our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it worked for us a far more what, exceeding and what eternal weight of glory. And it's clear that what makes the glory weighty are the riches, what the Bible calls the, the riches of what? 
of his glory. Praise God. So in Ephesians, he's saying that in the ages to come, that, that he will show the, the exceeding. So that time in, those, in the future age, the future age will have, it will be a different age. There's so many, so many things about the future age and what the Bible calls the world to come that makes it extremely um, superior to the present. We know that one of the biggest problems of the present is corruption. And um, in the present age, everything is designed according to the corruptible tendency of the age. So in every, when you design a system, any system here you must give some you know, allowance and budget for corruption, for decay, because it's a, it's a law, it's a, it's, a, it's a law of the present. Praise Jesus. That came through a virus which the, an evil spirit introduced into the present creation. Glory to God. Um, but there will be a manifestation in the future age of um, these riches that are product of grace in his kindness or grace that is um, brought to us or oh, sorry, grace, yes, grace that is brought to us through kindnesses. I, I define kindness to you that kindness are the, are the works of mercy, right? That whenever mercy produces an action, that is what you call, is what you call kindness. Another word for kindness is also, is a sort of goodness because everything that, that the kindness of God, the Bible calls it the loving kindnesses of God. Praise Jesus. Uh, there are kindnesses um, born out of the, the a love intention in the heart of the Father. Glory to God. That love intention is, is a, you they are, they are precious things. You know, the best things on the earth that you can find on the earth are things born out of love. You know, that when something comes from love, it gives it a value, a quality that is almost priceless. You can go and buy something with your own money in the store, but it won't be as valuable as what someone who loves you gave to you. Yes, sir. That even if it's something you can afford, but... The value is not the thing. There is something invisible around that thing that makes it what priceless. It's because it's it's a it's a gift from kindness. It's a those are precious things. The best things are things, even in our corruptible world, the best things are things that are born out of the the womb, the chamber of love. Glory to God. And, and God's own chamber is called, is called loving kindness. That love mixed with kindnesses, which are, which are kindness, are impulses of mercy. Do you understand that? And so the loving kindness, because it's the loving kindness, the tender mercies of God, praise Jesus, have produced. So I want to begin to picture, you know, we, we've tasted the kindness of men in a degree. You know, you get a gift, you get something. And you appreciate it. But imagine the kind of things born out of God's kindnesses. And, and can you imagine the esteem of their value 
the, so you find the, the most precious things, are those things that are what, that came out of the, the kind heart of God. Like if, if the Lord is moved by his love and his mercy towards a thing and he wants to do something about it, what is the quality of that product out of God's heart? Do you get what I mean? That's what they are saying. What they are telling you here is that um, it doesn't matter how grand your testimony here relating to the present of what God has done for you that it's still nothing because the, the nature of things that are born out of the heart of God are transcended in a way greater than the being the full, you can't have a full manifestation in the present world. The present world even cannot fully give the space for the full expression of the things that God has given to us. Do you see that? Glory to God. Those things are, they are a huge part of it will come down to the extent to which the present can accommodate. But it, there's a huge dimension of it that will still stay in the realm of revelation. You have to believe that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a huge, there are many of us that will carry revelation into the world to come. That there's aspect of the revelations which God will give to us that will begin to unveil more in that age. Do you believe what I'm trying to say yes, to you? He said that I have not seen 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that eyes have not seen or ear heard, neither has he entered into the heart of any man what God has prepared. That preparation is inside his inward chamber from where good things come from. That God has prepared those things for them that love him, but of course he will reveal them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, even the what he calls them the deep things of God are not things that are deep. They are the deep things of God that came out of the the depths of God. Praise Jesus. Um, Verse 8 says that for for by grace are you saved. So it's trying to um, now explain a bit of the dividends of grace that what this grace he is bringing to us, a huge part of what grace is delivering. In fact, the summary as far as the, 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 the present world is concerned, that the primary manifestation of God's kindness in the present must have to do with salvation. Why? Because the the greatest need of the present age is salvation. Do you see that? It's salvation. God cannot, he won't just turn a blind eye to the the corruption, the death, the nature of death, the tendency towards destruction. That's what actually we, we have in this age. Everything tends towards destruction. Every, by default, it's a default program, the program of death and destruction as a seed, is a corruptible seed, a virus that has been sown into the present age, that everything has a tendency, both material things, praise God, immaterial things, 
man himself. Man himself has a tendency. The, the way to destruction is brought to the heart. That way that, is, that leads to death is very wide. You don't need to. You don't need to meditate and struggle and fight. You don't need to study someone to get to a destruction. You don't need to study and do a very hard work. You don't need to do a lot of spiritual exercise. You don't need too much of learning. Just be. <laughs> just, just be in the present. What will happen? The laws of the present will begin to, 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 what, to act upon the soul. Praise Jesus. So that thing of that's, that need of salvation. The, the world is in need of salvation. Men are in need of salvation. The souls of men are in need of what? Of salvation. So that in that book of uh, Timothy, um, sorry, Titus, Titus chapter 2, he was saying that the, he says the grace of God, am I correct? Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that does what? That, that bring it. Are you seeing that? The, the grace of God. So God's grace is a bringer of salvation. The word bring means that salvation is not present. The, the salvation, you can think of salvation as two things. You can see salvation as a work. First, these are the, the spiritual definitions of salvation in the Bible. The Bible describes salvation as a work and a state. It's both a work and a, or a quality, or a quality or a state. It's both a work and a, a state. So, and it says that the, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This appearance to all men is the, the bringing in of this gift. This is actually a kindness of God that causes this grace that brings salvation to appear. What this means is that it will not discriminate between all men, but different men will have their seasons of appointment with this grace, but there is no discrimination. In the Bible says that God who desires that all men be saved, you see, and then come to what? All men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and what? Godly were in this present world. So now it spoke about this present world. You see, let's see verse 13. Then first you must live soberly. You must live righteously. You must live godly. First of all, in this present world, that is the first part of, of salvation. It was to bring salvation to you. It's for Teaching. They must teach you some things about in what to do in the present. That in this present, there, there 
if you want to, if you want to escape, if you want to find a, a better estate, a better place, you must be able to deal with this thing. Let's go back to that verse 12 again. Thank you, Jesus. That every soul is a mandate for every soul, even though many souls will not listen. You understand? But there is every soul has, has been enrolled in this, this school. Now, not everyone who has been enrolled in school will come to school. Some <laughs> will not come to school, but it's designed that all men in God's mind, all men should learn that they need to deny ungodliness. And they need to deny what? And Peter described this worldly lust as the, 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 the means, the instrument of corruption. According as his divine power has, give, has given unto us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness through Christ and all of that. Amen. And that, that by these, sorry, whereby giving us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises, praise Jesus, that you might be partakers of the word divine nature, having escaped the word corruption, that is where in the world, true laws. This escaping of this corruption can only be done through a teaching. You must be, every soul must be taught to deal with corruption because we were taught how to be corrupt. The world is, itself is a school of learning corruption. It's, you cannot separate corruption from the learning of the world. Are you seeing that? that the same way, if you, if you are um, in, like I said before, every device, even let's look at it as technology. Um, every technology of man, of man, when you say technology, what, is it, what do I mean by that? I just mean the creativity of man's endeavor to solve what they see as problems. What man discern as problem, it will make him to, to bring forth a kind of answer. Now, in the technologies and devices of man, which are to solve problems, but those problems are defined according to corruptible. Um, they, are, they are problems of corruption. Every problem, there's no man naturally who, who sides with God to solve problems. Do you get? Every problem that men are solving are problems that uh, were brought about, they came from the mind of a fallen spirit who hates man and who desires that men will always be around his thought. <laughs> it's like, uh, so when you create problem in the natural, he's not really, he's not creating a problem because um, most of the problem he creates that appear to men as problem um, they are done with an intention for man to solve them. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> the problem that he doesn't want man to solve can never occur to man as a problem. He, he knows that. 
That one is, is secret. They, let all the nations meet and gather and say, what are the problems of men? What they will come up with can never include anything that he doesn't want men to solve. So what, something he just realized in, maybe in his own wicked um, meditation, right? <laughs> Which is how to, his meditation is how to kill. He's an expert in killing. He has the wisdom, everything about killing. So in his own wicked meditation, he discovered that one thing that can make men learn quick is give them problem to solve. You know your professors use that same method too, right? That's the method they use in school. <laughs> solve for X. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> means that in solving for X, what will happen? You will find out you've learned all the... After solving for X so many times, you discover that you've crammed the formulas in your head. You didn't even try to cram it. Just that every time to solve for X, you must use the same formula. And the professor knows. He knows. So he won't tell you cram the formula. He'll just say, be solving for X. Then he will design all manner of problems, different kinds of problems that will take you to different places, different corners, different directions. And what will happen in solving the problem, do you see that? So it means every problem is not really a problem. It's actually, you know, it's actually, um, you're actually in a school. And everything that appears as a problem is, is for the purpose of learning. They want to teach you something. The real problem, it's like someone in school, maybe you're in a in, in mathematics class or, or an engineering class, the problem your professor gives you for the purpose of teaching is not a real problem. It's a textbook problem. It doesn't really exist. There are real problems in the real world, real, in the world. <laughs> but you understand what I mean? Well, you can't, you must never, you won't, they blind you from those things. They just create a pseudo kind of problem for you because it's for exercise of your mind. Why solving them? Do you see that? Uh, so, but, but you see, solving all these problems are what all men are devoted to. Men are devoted to them. Nations are devoted to them. Corporations are, these are the, this is the busyness of men. Praise God. Now, I'll tell you one of the, the signs that sin is, is prospering very well is the ability to, to detect problems to solve. It's a quickness to Something is not right here. Why do, how do we you know that nature that what began to spring out in Cain? You know, God gave them garden, dressed everything. They didn't see any problem. Then all of a sudden, Cain just began to see the whole world differently. Oh, what an empty space. Why is there no, why is there no, you know, the, the concept of civilization, cities. What can we do with this land? He began to develop what? Cities. Who knows the kind of technology that he began to build in those places? Why? Because that's futile endeavor that he began. Glory to Jesus. So you can see then that um, the, um, the, the devil um, is a... Um, is a uh, is a designer of of patterns to keep man, to keep the frame of man, the mindset of men within the world, the present 
So that, why? So that there should never be what he calls escape. Praise Jesus. What we call escape is an escape of, from corruption. So, and you can never escape corruption except help comes. Because everything about life of men is defined around corruption. Like I said, tell me a person who is solving a problem in this earth that it didn't come from sin. Tell, okay, tell me one person in this earth who is solving a problem. Let's say you can name a government or a corporation, anybody, who is solving a problem that existed in Genesis before sin came. You can't find it. So it means that everything we, pro- we saw ourselves to solve are problems that came from corruption. My, my point to you is that it is a, an exercise in learning corruption. Do you understand me? And no man can escape from it. As long as you apply yourself, it's that application of man towards corruptible things. You cannot, you cannot, you can't deal with corruption. You cannot be an expert in corruptible things and not, (laughs) and there won't be a reshaping of your mind. It's like you say somebody will go to university and diligently for five years solving engineering problems and he will somehow come out without being an engineer. No matter how much he refuses it, once he stays where there's an engineering problem, answer will start coming from him because he has spent time doing that, exercising himself. So it means that what you do in school is to, is to interact with your inside man, to your inward man, to create aptitude according to, you get what I'm saying? Glory to Jesus. And that's why we, we must be careful with anything that has to do with learning on the earth. The, the, the only answer is you must, you must then have within you the antidote to corruption. What's the antidote to corruption? Is that thing that teaches against corruption. It's called the grace that bringeth salvation. The teacher. If you learn anything without grace, you will drink its corruption. If you, when you solve problems, you, when you exercise your soul on the earth without grace, are you seeing what I'm saying? And that's one thing you should be weary about. Um, so it's not just, you know sometimes you feel like grace is optional. You feel like, man, let me just do this thing quickly, you know what I mean? Because... You look at the thing, you look at it, and I know, I know what, I have what it takes. This is a small thing now. Why should we now need to be praying to God in this matter? This is a small something. We can handle this one. We know the type that we pray about, that type that we need God to, you know what I mean? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, we don't, this one, there's no need to involve, God is busy now. Why would I be involving him in this little matter? Can I easily just take care of that? One phone call, one little something there, just applying a little bit of experience, you deal with the situation. This that quickly, just very quickly, without the without the help, without needing to check 
that is there a, am, I, am I able to find a gracious flow? Do you understand? You know, this kind of thing makes you now begin to realize some things. That if you want to be safe, in, if you want your soul to be safe in this world, it's not everything that you can do that you should do. That's a sign. <laughs> if you don't know this, glory to God. Or that it's not every word. No, it's not everything that you can do. That that say can do. Do you like can do? There's even something they call can do attitude. Have you ever seen that on a job description or something? Or resume. Some of you have it on your resume. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you have a can-do attitude. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Say can-do attitude. <laughs> Praise God. So uh, it's very clear. It's not really about, it's not everything that you can do. You have to be careful about the, the application of your soul. What you do, what things you do. Be careful. With what? Because of Jesus taught all these things. The world is evil. Praise Jesus. There is corruption. And the corruption is more intelligent than your mind. Only, only the intelligence of grace can is fast enough to demystify the, the wisdom of corruption. So if you're doing things without grace, you're using your can-do attitude or your ability, you will not have equipment. There is a, there's an equipment that the scripture describes. It's talking about the ability to choose the good and refuse the evil. Right? That was what they described in Isaiah chapter 7 concerning when they were prophesying concerning Jesus. It was a key prophecy concerning him. He said, I will show you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and give birth. Butter and honey. What's butter and honey? Butter and honey are a spiritual metaphor to describe gracious provision. Things that can food to impart grace to the soul, energy. And when grace is inside the soul, you see how you know grace is operating is that what is foremost is not strength. What is foremost is discernment. Do you see that? It's, and that's how you, you see Jesus. That when they will say, walks are conspectly, not as fools. A fool, a fool Who's a fool? You don't have wisdom. Without wisdom, right? A fool lacks wisdom. You don't know how. You will. You will. A fool brings weariness to his soul. That weariness means you. You will remove strength. The the activities of a fool causes the soul to be weary. He doesn't know how to conserve the life of the soul. Wisdom enables the soul. When someone is wise, you check. When you see a wise person, they know how to be going day to day with with life. 
not reducing. That's how you know wisdom. You wonder, how is, how is life just like Jesus? You know, in this wicked world and everything, imagine the, the, the standard, the bar of his life. You can, when he, through his speech, you know, life was oozing out. There's never a situation where Jesus got to say, please, let me go and pray. Let me check so that I won't make a mistake. He has, every time he had the answer. Praise Jesus. So, that thing is connected. This is the prophecy of concerning him. Right, because of these things, glory to Jesus, that they fed him with, that enabled him to have the, that he may know to refuse what? The good and not choose the evil. Amen. You know, the book of Hebrews chapter 5 ties it together, right? It ties food and what? And discernment. He was speaking about the, the milk, first of all. Right, what time you ought to be teachers? You have need that one. What time you ought to be teachers? You have need that one teach you again. So if you have need that one teach you again, you've lost judgment. It means you've forgotten some things. Some things that your former food wrought in you, you forgot them. But now when you ought to, who is a teacher? A teacher is a, is a master of discernment. Is a master of wisdom. You know, not everyone who is knowledgeable is a teacher. Do you see that? They are not the same. To, to know something doesn't make you a teacher of it. There is something that is, comes upon knowledge that makes a soul a teacher. Is a teaching is actually a soul configuration. You can, you can see somebody, and I've experienced this many times, Someone who can be the best at something. No ins, in and out. But let them try to teach that thing. Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> you can be with them and they will try and they don't have the thing, the, the skill in their soul on how to impart teaching. But someone who, has the, who is a teacher, teaching is a high mastery. Praise God. It means that you, you don't just have, to be a teacher, you're not just, um, you don't just have knowledge stored up. A teacher is able to, to teach, because you can't take knowledge and throw it to someone. You must know where the lines of that knowledge are. You must know where they separate. And you, know, you must know also insight into their, its formation, into what things must be laid on what. If, you, if I put something in you right now and I go away and I come back tomorrow, will I meet it there? Do you see that? So it means that a teacher is also a builder as well. Right? He knows, a teacher knows what kind of foundational things you need to, to put in place to put more knowledge on top. What gives that insight? It is that thing called discernment. You know how to separate between things. Glory to God. So he says, for what time you ought to be teachers, you have neither one teach you again, which be the first principles of what the, of the oracles of God. 
and are become such as have need of milk and not of what? Strong meat. Verse 13, glory to God. For everyone that useth milk is what? Unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. Verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses what exercise to discern both what good and evil through reason of use. So you can see it's now strong meat is for these people, but what how did they exercise their senses is through the meat of the word, which is what you call the word of righteousness. Do you see that? Yes, so the, one of the main purpose of reason for, for meat is exercise. Right, is to create, to develop exercise of the inward senses. Senses are for judgment. Senses are for discernment. Praise God. So a fool is somebody who doesn't have this kind of discernment in them, right? And so because of that, they, a fool can't separate good from evil, so he does everything, right? A fool cannot, cannot say um, this aspect is good. This other aspect is evil. So I won't do it because in this thing there is evil here. So you see, most Christians we do evil constantly because we don't have the discernment of what this thing called good and what and evil. And any kind of Christianity that doesn't involve this discernment, you will not be threatening Satan's stuff. You will just be doing your things, but because where he kept his evil is beyond the, the, the strength of discernment. You know, discernment is accord, it's according to strength. Yes, yes, it's according to um, strength. There is, a, there is an inherent laziness of the soul. Yes, right? And how that laziness manifests is that this is normal. This is how men do it. This is how it's supposed yeah. to be done. <laughs> okay, then therefore it's good. <laughs> That's the level of reasoning <laughs> for many people. Even the church is like that. Most of the things we do in the church, we copy it from the world. Right? Oh, this is how the world do it. They will do it that way. You see that? Without any kind of discernment. Why? Because of there's lack of strength. There's... Um, there's an inward strength which grace gives. One of the, the sign of the presence of grace is the is a kind of gravitas in the spirit. It's a kind of a strength to 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 have to have piercing discernment. To can you can can you go far and turn the corner and locate the secret place where Satan he thinks. He, Evil is not in plain sight. <laughs> Do you see that? And 
There is no man, I don't care how smart you are, there is no person that can think out where Satan hid evil. We've done all kinds, religions, all kinds of things that have been raised by men. Evil is continuing constantly. It's not tampering with the Satan's program. There's no intellectual mind that can, that can journey into the, the secret where, how he, in the, the cunningness of his work, and how he has designed the corruptible world to be able to locate what are the, you see that, what the things that appear good to men, evil is hidden. Only the scripture, that's why this Bible is a dangerous book. The scripture is a dangerous book because by the time the Bible begins to be breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, begins to be inspired by the Spirit, it begins to search, turn a searchlight into the souls of men. Ah, and that place, that place, hey, some men will do everything for that light never to to stay. We said that this is the condemnation that light came into the world, but what? Ah, because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. They loved darkness. They can't bear that light because because the deeds are, are evil. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Light came into the world, and men loved darkness rather than what? Rather than light, because their what? Their deeds were evil. Praise Jesus. Um, so, grace, said so by grace are you saved quickly to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by, for by grace are you saved through faith. Right? You've seen that salvation, right? It's, for salvation is. To, to first of all make you an overcomer in, the, of, um, in this life. Praise God. Deny ungodliness, worldly lust, that you live righteously, soberly, righteously, and godly in what? In this present world. You have to be able to do that. Then the next verse that we read is looking for in that Titus chapter 2. You now begin to to look for. So godliness, right, is empowerment. It's first sobriety, righteousness. There's what you call godliness. When you attain godliness, godliness is powerful because godliness is a capacity for a hope. There are things that only a godly man can hope for. Now, who is a godly man? A godly man is a person who is not blinded by corruption. Because corruption has its, like I said before, corruption has its, 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 um, it has its necessities, its priorities. It has its definition, right? Cor- corruption defines life. Corruption will tell men this is what is important. Fix this one. This is your greatest problem. This is find solution to this. Is all corruption talking? Now, but to be to overcome that is what we call godliness. Godliness is a kind of is an inward health of the soul to disobey and ignore corruption. Once that capacity is in the soul, what happens? The soul now begins to look for other things. 
that are not defined relative to corruptible things. Right? It's this what godliness in the soul of a man enables a person to look for and what you call blessed hope. Right? That blessed hope, glory to God. And he calls it the glorious appearing of who? The great God and and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto who himself a what? Peculiar people. What are they of? Zealous of good works. He might redeem us from all iniquity. That's the first aspect of it. Then purify unto himself. A glorious people. We must deal with all iniquity. Then you now begin another season of purification. Praise God. Of unto himself a peculiar people who are what? Zealous of good works. So this, these people who are zealous of good works, they are, to arrive at here, you're seeing that these are all operations of grace that must occur in the soul to make the soul becomes zealous. That was zealous of good works. It means that they are now, they are now interested in good works. They are, they, when you now mention good works, they say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing we are looking for. You say, are you sure? Really? What about all these other things in the world that everybody is going after? <laughs> tell you. We have been after those things before. But then grace came. Grace now began to appear to us and began to teach us. And then grace now taught us denial. So a soul, praise Jesus, a soul that is zealous for good works, you can't have the zeal for good works without doing some kind of denials. You, must, you know, denial is not easy. Yes, sir. It's, to, it's not just in mouth only. I deny corruptible things. They will not say, okay, which ones do you deny? <laughs> which of the corruptible things do you deny? You now say that you can't answer that question without discernment. And you can't give a general word answer. There's no textbook that contains what men should deny. <laughs> Nothing can describe that. You must go back to this place and now begin to figure out maybe what did Jesus deny? What are the things that he denied? You must read Jesus. You must read, praise God, the, the epistle. Thank God for people like Paul who is teaching us summary of those things. Ungodliness, worldly lusts. Are you seeing that? So, what is worldly loss? What is loss? Loss just means the lost is the fire of zeal. All right? Do you agree with me? Loss is a fire. Passion. Say passion. I, I love how they call it worldly lust here. 
if you think that lowerly loss is fornication, that's not, that's, that one is bad, but that's not the, that's his tiny department of worldly loss. You know that that fornication thing is what churches preach against, but they won't stop preaching against that one now. Right now, a lot of churches don't preach against anything. Because lust have become so powerful, and it has been removing things from that from message. <laughs> you know, lust can re- reduce message, right? You just be re- reducing the message, small, small. Before you know it, there's nothing else you can preach again against anymore because of the lust of men. The lust of men are powerful. What do I my lust? Lust means passions. Passion. Say passions. passions. I don't mean passion for fornication. That's bad, of course. And adultery and all the other sexual things, which is where we, what we summarize lust as a lot. Uh, right? When, I, when I'm talking of lust, I mean like what? Uh, Jesus was talking, he called it the lust of other things. When, in the parable of the sower, uh, he mentioned some things, he called it one the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, praise Jesus. What are those other things? Lust have departments. The world is actually framed according to lusts. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, then he calls it lost of other things. Therein choke. So what are the lost? Things that choke the word and make the word unfruitful. That, what does it do? It chokes the word and it makes the word unfruitful. So the word is there. Because this guy that Jesus is describing, they didn't run away. They didn't leave the word. Yes, when, they were, when Jesus was message was going on, they were there. They sat down, they took notes, everything. They were around the season, they were around the message. But inside their heart are these things there. Glory to Jesus. And it says that when those things enter in, it will not drive the word away, but they just have the lost as power to sit with word. Right? As a, with, with word, and you see this a lot, it happens in soul. The word is, is coming, revelation, but the soul has become skilled. He knows where to put revelation. You know, revelation, this is your room in the house. Enter this room, that's where you stay. But why, <laughs> why does revelation now? Why can't revelation be set loose in the soul? Why can't, why can't it be free to go into any room, turn things over? Open the storage, bring things out, sort them out. What things are we giving out? What things are we selling? What things are we throwing away? Turn the bed over, op- raise the carpet, sweep the corner out. It, that's how, what Revelation is meant to do. <laughs> do you agree with me? Cleaning constantly. Open, there's no hidden place. Open all the doors, open the cupboards, open the secret places. Open the safes. Some souls don't just have safe. Some souls have customized vaults. You understand? <laughs> With lasers. You know those lasers of that you have to. 
You have to do gymnastics to. I'm sorry, that's, that's my movie mind. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Vaults, uh, vaults with lust in them. So, so you see, when, when a soul has secret lust in them, that soul, the sign of lust is, is zeal, passion, energy. Energy for things. And that thing is the, is the power of corruption. Paul calls it the corruption that is in the world through lust. If one thing that corruption is, is helpless to a soul that has no energy. You know what I mean by energy? I mean energy to do corruptible things. What about this? What about that? What about it? No response is coming. That is what Jesus wants to do to you. That when corruption does its dance, your soul will have the power toward to resist. You will not respond to the dance of corruption. Because that thing can make the world become what? Unfruitful. It, it becometh what? Unfruitful. What does it mean by becoming unfruitful? It will not bear fruit. What is the fruit? The fruit which the world is supposed to bear are works. Do you see those good works? Right? Those good works are the works which fruit. So the, what the end of grace, what grace is designed to do is to produce good works. That's the, the, the summary of what I want to show, show you. That grace is what to, there is only grace can produce good works. Any work you do outside of grace cannot be good. Why, why will it not be good? It's not because God is saying, well, you didn't use my grace, so I'm angry, I won't take it. No, it is that if you are trying to walk without grace, what the energy you use does not have the intelligence to separate good from evil. Do you see that? Only the, and the intelligence is beyond the cerebra. You can, it's not just about thinking and calculation. It is, there's a, the spiritual man is someone who is moved by grace. There's so much about grace in his soul. It's beyond just your logical thinking. Grace will go down to the realm of your impulses. What do I mean by impulse? The things, the kind of impulses that registers to you. There's some things that when you have been, when you have, you have, you have, you have stayed in the land of grace for a long time. You've enjoyed grace, and you have lived in the gracious land for some time. There are some things that you know are wrong by instinct. It ought to be a common occurrence in your life that you just knew that this thing wasn't right. You didn't know why, but after some time, maybe the rev- ah, that's why, that's why that thing I it didn't sit with me. So, so when you are a spiritual person and something is not sitting with you, don't, don't be like, well, I can't find any logical reason not to do it, so therefore. <laughs> means you are not spiritual. 
Because grace is, has many departments of safety. That grace that brings salvation. It, there is a safety of where they can, grace can sit you down. And then, of course, the ultimate goal is to teach you. Yes. That's where it's getting to. Yes. It will teach you. But sometimes grace doesn't start first by teaching. Sometimes grace will start by, by guiding through the inward witness. Right? What he calls the, the inward witness. You, that inward perception. Grace, is, grace has many aspects to it. Grace, of course, speaks. Grace teaches. But grace also has a savour. It also has an aroma. It also has a smell. When someone who lacks grace comes around you, they smell somehow. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't diffuse the aroma of grace, right? There's a, when I say smell, not physical smell. I mean, I, praise God. I mean the, the, I mean the, the kind of smell that the soul can perceive. Like when Jesus said to Peter that thou savorest not the things which be of God. Means God's things has a smell to it. But you like the things that be of men. Means men's things also have the, the smell, the way they smell. So one thing that grace does is that grace, um, grace brings the savour of God. You know, and that's one of the, the, as the Bible teaches us, that one of the main things that the, the Bible, or what it calls the gospel, delivers is the savour. It's what he called the savour of his knowledge, Praise God. The gospel releases what a savour or a fragrance. It's what, what you call the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of Christ is the fragrance of his grace. Do you see that? So gracious life has a kind of aroma. Sometimes that aroma will guide you. It is it's like a, it's a sense on the inside that, you know, he says to discern good and evil. That thing of discerning good and evil, of course, there is judgment involved. But when you see logical judgment is a tiny bit of what you call judgment or in the spirit. The, the logical aspect, in fact, to be most of the time, most of the time, they bring logic for teaching. But when it comes to living, you live by recognition, not, not mainly by teaching. It's not by, you don't mainly live by logic. In, when it comes to physical life, it's manifest. Even human beings are called rational. Human beings are not rational beings. We are not logical beings, even though we like to think we are. But maybe you just say, compared to the dogs and the goats and other animals, we are more logical and rational than they are, because they have almost none. They have very little, you get. But maybe they have little, but maybe we have 5%. So based on that 5% or which we have, you can then call us rational beings. So we can, but when you really study men, and this, this has been studied, psychologists have studied this, that human beings are highly irrational. You don't do things by thinking most of the time. You think about little things, few things, maybe things that seem, ah, oh, this is very important. Then you now say, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. What, 
should we, you understand? But most of the stuff you do is by recognition. It means that for most people, if you put them in a harmful place and they don't, and they don't have the system to recognize the harm, they will be in trouble. Well, even though the harm, the harm is very manifest logically. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, it's not some kind of harm that is, you must really, you must be a PhD to realize, ah, this is bad, no. Even though the harm is very manifest logically, is that a lot of people don't take the logical, they don't think about every single thing that you're doing. You just, you live mostly by recognition. It means that if something doesn't sound an alarm to you, you will, it's when the, you hear an alarm, that's when you now stop to think. Do you agree? So, so Satan is not just sitting there. It's not in logic. Corruption is not in thinking too much. Because by the time you can think, you will try to do the right thing. So the investment of Satan is in your alarm system. <laughs> and that's what sin does. Sin goes deep into your alarm system and it cuts wires makes sure that things are not sounding. <laughs> right? Glory to God. That's corruption. <laughs> it's very clear that some bolts and nuts were loose from Cain by the time he started talking with God. Imagine God is asking a question, you are replying rudely. Am I my brother's keeper? Something has happened. Hey, hey, Cain. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Yes, something has happened to him. He, it means that the fear of the being he's talking to, there's just something about that has just left him. He just, he just feels that, well, I can talk to you. I can say, well, well, say where's my brother? He said, I'm, I, know, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So you are asking God. So what he's trying to tell God is that, look, Um, I've evaluated this whole <laughs> relationship thing about this brother something you're trying to do. And let me just tell you, there are limits to this thing. <laughs> you can't just talk to me randomly and ask me where's my brother, okay? We have, he has his own life. She went with this sacrifice, he took his own and left my own. See, I can bet you there was a sound pro- logical process behind this thing that he was asking God. He thought about it. Yes. Why would he be asking me where he is? Don't you, can't you, did you create him? Or didn't you? I you know he's, uh, why can't you? You see? But it's a logic inside a, a teapot in an ocean of destruction. It means that he could still hear God but he stopped smelling God. He stopped perceiving God. If he was in touch with who this being is, you can never ask God this kind of question. He will break down and say, God, 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 I've, I've done something bad. In the heat of passion, I slew my brother. I something came, but it means that after killing this brother, he came and stood and was happy. About, it was okay. He didn't have, he felt, I have my reasons. It means that 
even though it, it can have a logical reason for something, but the wires of the inward, it should have been, things should have been beeping on the inside of his soul. You're talking to God. You're talking to the creator of the universe. <laughs> Praise God. If you ask you a question, like our prophets, thou knowest. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? There's a way. <laughs> but, and just, just an example, you can see the traits of sin. What sin, when sin began to prosper, right? You can see the, 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 the kind of traits of sin. Now, Cain did this, but his own, he backed his own up with actions and many things. But you saw the same kind of thing in Adam's own conversation, too. His language just changed all of a sudden. So, it's the, it's the woman that you gave to me. It's the, the woman you gave to me is the one. <laughs> so, isn't that a very sound logical argument? I was by myself here. So that all this time I've been here, God, did you did I eat anything? <laughs> I didn't eat anything. And then you, one day I didn't even I just slept too. I didn't send you a message, I just slept. Then I woke up. Then you now brought her to me. Praise God. You see those kind of things? It's the kind of things we say to God. But even though our own doesn't sound like it, you know, our own is usually different from this one. Praise God. What about my this? Or my dad. And God is saying, what about this thing? He said, yeah, this is nice, but... When God said, the age is to come. Nice. <laughs> now, of course, you don't say it with your mouth, but... Somewhere is inside the secret of... Chambers of the heart. Chamber, secret. <sighs> Jesus said to Peter, You still savourest not the things which be of God. Peter, 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 Peter. You can't perceive the intentions of God. You can see that life is beyond just this thing, that there are greater things. What, when he said the things which be of God, he wasn't expecting Peter to serve God from heaven. Those things which be of God were the things that were manifest in Jesus. In his life. What he was saying is that, can't you, shouldn't you have by now have smelled that I'm not of this world? That, can't you, shouldn't you have been perceiving something about that my life is not about me just coming here. Maybe by this time, Peter might have been thinking about who Jesus might marry out of all the sisters. He has projected decades of their work together. He has done so much projection. And Jesus was now saying something <laughs> accurate, inaccurate and something you know, different from 
uh, Peter was saying something different from what, you know, Jesus began to say that he, he wasn't thinking in that kind of way. Praise Jesus. But Jesus was home expecting, if you were okay, you should know that this kind of man is not made for this world. But this man has taken time. He's been teaching concerning the kingdom. He's been talking about another kingdom, about another place. Shouldn't, didn't, shouldn't you have known? Why are you dull? Like those guys on the way to Emmaus. So oh, you slow of heart. You're slow. You're slow men. I know those guys who we call slow. Maybe they, are, they, might, have, they might have been the, maybe. They are probably intellectual colleagues. You know what I mean? You know guys who argue? Yes. You know there's an enjoyment in that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe out of everybody, there are two guys who are seeing what everybody is not seeing. They will now, when something happens, they will now call each other, hey, have you heard that? Have you? <laughs> Praise God. So they were just journeying, walking. They didn't take a donkey or something, just so we can have time to talk about what has happened, and they were just just, you see, no, this one, that, that, that guy arguing about all that happened, and Jesus came, hey, slow of heart. In all this, your talk, all this time you've been walking, nothing has, no bulb has gone off in your head to make you see. Oh fool, slow of heart, to believe all the prophets have spoken. It means that they didn't, they didn't in all their reading of Isaiah and everything, Chapters explaining all that happened to Jesus, telling, foretelling about it. Jesus himself teaching concerning it, say, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? It means that in all their learning, there's an aspect that couldn't give way to the concept of glory beyond the present. So it means that all of their complaint and their issue was stopped at this good man, they have killed him. How can they kill such a person? Such a righteous man. All of those things. They, they didn't, it means that in their revelation or their understanding of the prophets, they didn't see, they couldn't conceive of the aspect of his life after death. That this suffering was a part. It was actually a, a, a vehicle for him to do what? Enter into what? His glory. What causes this kind of thing is the inability. It's too much of um, alignment with the present. And this is how it manifests. When you are too, I said what, corruption blinds you from the, the perception of glory. The perception of the age. When, when you are You've interacted too much with corruptible things. Inside the shape of your inward man, it will settle in a form that this is all there is. Yes, this world. Yes, everything. So you feel like everything should have some kind of relevance here. When you have a revelation that, imagine the scripture teaching about a future age, teaching about a future world, speaking about the details of that realm, of that, it's, it's difficult for a soul that has been relating with corruption, to just switch and begin to, even though he can hear that word, he would not land 
The way if I was describing, I told you I just traveled somewhere and I came back. Ah, if you see this place, maybe I went to Dubai and I begin to describe the tallest building, the tallest building is there. I say, wow, these people, they got money. And I begin to tell you that when you get there, the gold, everything, there's a way that they are, there's a way. Hey, you just be looking at me. Now, when I'm telling that story, you're not just hearing story, man. When I'm telling you that story, there's nothing in your being that does not accept that as a concept of reality. It's not, uh, it's by default, you accept it. You don't question it. You don't be like, really? There, is, there are buildings there. Really? The roads are so clean, really? Mm. I need to go and meditate on this and <laughs> so that the seed of it can enter into my heart. <laughs> Why? Because you are, there's a posture of the heart that accepts such things as reality. There's a big city, there's a building there, there are things there. It's, it's normal, there's nothing, you don't think twice. But open the Bible to Revelation chapter 21 and chapter verse. And behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no more sea. <laughs> And he showed me the bride. The, you, you. <laughs> Praise God. I, I imagine some kind of meeting, some kind of message is you have to first sit down. Maybe the first 15 minutes you are just like, then you have to now gather yourself. Okay, okay. <laughs> Why? Because... The frame of reality you are coming from, this is another thing entirely. But there are doors through which that inward, that the, the future age can be as real to you. So reality is not that you feel, you don't need to feel it, touch it, you don't need, before it becomes, it registers as being real. That, the, the, to register something as real to you can be done by a spiritual method. It's by, it's, it, that's what the, the power of faith. Yes, sir. Do you understand that? The power of faith, faith is powerful. The, the purpose of faith is to, is to shift and translate and change your concept of reality. After a while, you will replace it. And then the fact that you touch it doesn't mean it's real to you. You can carry something and say, this is not real. It's just here. This, this outward man only feels it as real. But what makes something real is not touch. It's not outward feeling. The validation of reality is not what my outward man says is real. I, you, I have a, a, a more solid concept of reality. You can shift it. After a while, things that are spiritual becomes more real to you than things that will pass away. That's what the scripture is trying to do. You become at home with them. You become at home with, with those realities. Why? Because 
As you're learning them, they are, they are importing a substance yes. into your heart. Mm. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Say faith. faith. Faith is something that you must never drop. That's why they start teaching you faith from the first day you got born again. When they say, when you get, you're a baby Christian and they tell you, God is good, is your father, he can give you any money you ask, he will give it to you. You know that newborn phase, and the Lord will begin to do things like that, and he will provide for you. He will, you pray, you ask the Lord for things in the natural, natural things. In the baby phase, he will keep doing them for you. It's not really because of those things. It's to introduce you to a concept that something physical can come out of something spiritual. That's what Hebrews 1 is um, 11, right? So by faith, we know that the walls were framed by the word of God. It is by faith we know. Do you understand that? It's another way of knowing. Science is that we proved it so we know. No, not we proved it. The lab told us so we know. Right? These days, once they say, the experts have said, everybody just, okay, the experts said it. All right. (laughs) Because of that blind trust, but but this is another way of knowing. It's called by faith, we know. Hebrews 11 verse, or we understand, sorry. It's another way of understanding. It's not by doing experiment. It's, it's through faith. Hebrews 11 verse 3. It's, it means you can understand through faith. Now, the things you understand through faith are things that are in the faith realm. When it comes to invisible Invisible things have their own framework of understanding. There is a way your soul actually should understand the invisible. Praise God. And you, when you understand it, it will sit and become more real to you than the things which you can touch and feel. But it's through this vehicle of faith. That through faith we understand that the walls were framed. So all the walls, even the physical walls, the non-physical, they are all framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not what? Made of what? Things which what? Which do appear. And that's the secret you must know in your heart, that why you can't base your sense of reality on things which appear is because if they appear, they appeared one day. Where did they appear from? So there's a place they appeared from. You want to take that journey, it's through faith. So there's something, and that's one thing, you can't really follow God, you can't learn the Bible if you can't make this kind of adjustment in your heart. It's an adjustment you just need to make that it is physical, is measurable, is empirical, doesn't mean it's real. Do you you get that? It doesn't mean it's what? It doesn't mean it's real. Let's say, for example, a lot of things that even define your life, your quality of life, are not real, are not physical. One thing that's not physical is your fear. But it can move you. It can make you run. It can make you... When there's not, nothing has changed, though. Just... <laughs> uh, nothing changed. Let's say they just find a way to just introduce the fear of something. To be able to suggest to you of... A fear of something. Let's say it's a danger or something. 
that can make you fear. You can just fear, and before you know it, you're already moving. What is moving you? It's something that's, just, that's not real. Digum said, I'm, I'm describing something to you. A lot of the things you do in your life, like I said before, you don't, you don't prove everything that you do. You, in fact, everybody's living by faith. Even the atheist is living by faith. When you say, I, I don't believe God is there. I don't, how do they say it? I'm trying to say that atheists, what did atheists say without using the word believe, you understand? Okay, they would just say, there is no God. When you say there is no God, do you go to a lab to prove there is no God? Do you? That's, a, that's, a belief, that's a religious statement. Yes. It's just another religion called atheism. It's just another belief system. <laughs> Either way, you believe. So much you do is about belief. You believe people. You believe your government. You believe the police. You believe, what else do you believe? All the, when I, why, I'm say, why am I saying believe? Because all these complex systems and structures I'm mentioning, you did not go and verify all of them. Yeah. Yes, sir. You, are, you relate with most things based on belief. Yeah. <laughs> Almost everything is based on belief. That's how human beings live. Yeah. It's just that you now see that, ah, but, but why do you believe certain things and not others? Ah, there's a game going on here. Somebody is trying to define to me what to believe and what not to believe. And he's doing it with a lie. You even believe, he lies so much that you believe the improbable. If, it, if you're able to step back a little bit and just check, just check things out, don't just check things out in a, in a clear mind. Just look at the world. Ah, is it more likely that there is God or there is no God? You understand what I mean? Something as simple as that. But the, there is a framing. It means that there is an alliance. When someone is saying, I don't, either you say, you might not say, I don't believe in God. You know, that thing has operating degrees. There are Christians who don't say, I don't believe in God, who are believers, born again Christians, but they have giant aspect of their life that is carried out as if God does not exist. That is some level of, it is, it's not what you come and say and carry a placard for. We're talking about how you act. Do you understand what I mean? So it means the devil has a way of framing that thing that you can create some kind of aspect of your life with some kind of ignorance. It's like a blissful ignorance where you reject this faith and this belief in God. But that thing has the power of the gospel is to define the, this, this, this scripture is a powerful book, powerful book. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The scripture can, can lay the structure of reality block by block. Yes, sir. Build it up. Yes, sir. 
if you are willing to relate spiritually with the Bible. Right? You, you say, okay, I want to relate spiritually. I don't want not religion. Not, let me just, let me open up my heart and allow the doctrine to surround my soul. You get what I mean? You will see one thing the Bible will begin to do is begin to, it will change your, that's what, that, what spirituality really is. Spirituality is your concept of reality. That's what, the, the, right? Christ is the spiritual man. That's the first thing Christ must shape. God can't just come. God will say, how can we make the man spiritual? He needs the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is to shape, is to shift the concept of reality. That what you term as being, and there are many things in that. You must deny ungodliness. You must deny worldly laws. In denying worldly laws, you will deny the, the lies behind the construct of the world because those lusts are based on those lies. Hey, have me, you'll be okay. Hey, no, no. Why will I be okay by having you? You might not be here tomorrow. Behind you, there's not too much strength. I can't trust <laughs> a lot about, you get what I'm saying? Yes, See those things, you, can, you know you can speak to laws. Lost to make you feel like, ah, we are, I'm you, you are me. We know what we do. Let's do it. That's how lost sounds. Lost makes you feel powerless. Like you can't answer it. But you can answer lost. You can ask lost, calm down. Why should I do you? Give me your reasons. <laughs> Intercept it. You, have, you know when you have courage spiritually. When you're spiritually courageous, you answer your lost. You talk with your loss. Okay, why should I do you? Why should I heed to you? You know, when you begin to ask loss questions, uh, now that he doesn't have too many, too many answers. Because lost guarantees on your impulsiveness. Lost banks on your lack of senses, of your, your lack of judgment. It's, it's banking that you won't ask questions because it has no answer. That's, where, that's the teaching of grace. Grace makes you weighty. It, it gives some gravity to your person. You can't be tossed to and fro anyhow, anymore. You can question things. Then when you questioning, when grace teaches you how to question things, question ungodliness, lordly loss, and all those things, it's from questioning, 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 questioning. After a while, you begin to move into denial. Because after you've questioned and lost has no answer because it has no answer, it's full of lies, then you gain the courage to deny it. What's the courage to deny? When you, are, you take a lost, you raise it up, turn it upside down, you open it, check the back, check the front, ask it all the questions. Okay, what will you give to my soul? It has no answer to you. Then you tell it, I'm sorry, I have to deny you. Deny you means I can no longer allow you. I'm not a garbage being. Can, I, can you go your own? Let me go my own way. I'm looking for, you now begin to look for that blessed hope. That blessed hope that speaks about a glorious appearing. That glorious appearing is not an empty appearance. The glory is weighty. It's a glory with what? With riches. Riches. Enduring riches behind them. 
Glory to Jesus. If you are sincere, you know that God can enrich your soul. I think there's nobody here who hasn't tasted enough of God. Unless you want to be insincere. Now, you might say you don't believe that God can give you money. Even though he can. But there are some of us here who might be struggling with that based on your own experience. So you feel like, ah, money is out to come by you. Suffering is, is, is more, suffering is the more likely outcome. <laughs> we have different backgrounds. There are some of us who believe that, wow, life, money is easy. It's not that hard. It's, and it's not because you are spiritual. It's just because the way things have, you know what I mean? All fingers are not equal, amen. So different background. Your own experience of provision might be that you've not really, you know, you just feel like things will come from somewhere, somehow. You'll be okay. Some people can believe that naturally just because there has been some sort of the experience. But some people can. <laughs> they know that things don't just come. <laughs> you understand? That it's more likely that things will not come than things will come. And God allows people's experience to be different for various reasons like that. So, so if I'm asking you, you know, do you believe that the Lord will, will supply all your need, physical need, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? You can say it and say, yes, I believe. Because it's the word of God. I believe the word of God. But it's not because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in the natural. Do you believe what I'm saying to you? That when they taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not always talking about natural things. That if you go purely by natural, some people might have some kind of reason to say, Like some people who are born in poverty. You're in Canada, so maybe you are different. Maybe the crowd I'm talking about are not here. Because in the natural standard, you have some privilege of coming to you know, this place. Something, in the natural sense, some things are taken care of. You know. But let's say I went to go and preach the same message to somebody who lives in the slums in Africa or somewhere. Who, if you ask them to thank God and count their blessing, they have to quote Bible. Because when they look around, there are not too many things they can count in the natural. There are people who that's their reality. Do you understand that? Even just simple of eating, maybe, is a problem. Do you get? But if you are able to expound God beyond that scope of him being a, a provider of natural things, making your natural life better. And then think about him as a God of souls. There's hardly anybody who can deny, any Christian who can deny that God can satisfy your soul. in terms of the 
the kind, the potential of the riches that can be added to your soul. The kind of health that comes to you when you come around God. The problem is that we don't like that one too much. But we can't deny it. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why somebody can choose to watch TV and play video games than fellowship with God and be spiritually refreshed. Not because they don't know they will be spiritually refreshed when they fellowship with the Lord. It's just that they don't esteem that one more than the other one. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is anybody here that, that when you pray, you always get more angry and frustrated? You just feel like you've wasted your time. You just feel... You know, I'm just, I'm talking very plainly, not even deep spiritual thing. I'm just saying just simple fellowship with the Lord, that just spend time in prayer, spend time in the word. I mean, if you have read your Bible and regret that it, it is just a waste of time. There's nothing here for me. It's very, very hard. Something must be deeply wrong with you for you to <laughs> feel that way. <laughs> hmm? There's God, God is not poor. It's just that you can't force him to convert his riches based on your demand. You can't force God to convert his grace to money at your demand. You might say, no, you see this grace, I'm coming towards you in this manner. I'm not coming in a money manner. That's not the manner that I prefer. I'm just sorry, I, I won't do it. And you can't force God to do. So when men act as if God is nothing. Because they are trying to bring him into their own measurement scale. And God might say, I'm not coming there. Count me, say I don't exist, say that I'm far, say say anything you like, I don't care. But there is nobody who can tell me that you sincerely long for God with your soul to be refreshed and and you sense poverty. And you sense, you, let me tell you something. Once you look for God, it's not too hard. Just decide. You can even just say, basic, just open the Bible, Psalms, just be reading Psalms, even half heartedly, even. As long as you are, you are looking for refreshing of your soul, one single verse can, can shift your inward. Do you get what I'm saying? You're, that's how rich God is. Do you understand me? Just singing one song. What just singing one song can do to your soul? Do you get what I'm saying? There is no way on the earth you can find such a thing. To, what is a song would do to your soul? To find the equivalent of that in the earth, you can't find it. I mean, a song that opens up the heart, opens up the channels of the soul to receive spiritual refreshing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I mean that God is not poor, God is rich. But the problem why we men are wretched is a liar, lies of corruption. Corrupted because the, the corruption is promising you that, hey, you will, you will enjoy more when you sow more to go after this one, go after that one. It's more enjoyable than the refreshing of your soul. 
But the Bible will teach you, no, don't go after that. Go after the refreshing. Amen. Praise God. So, thank you, Father. Um, very quickly, let's quickly just go back to that. Um, thank you, Father. Where were we? Ephesians, Ephesians. Thank you, Jesus. Um, for, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the what? It is the gift of God. Amen. Amen. What did I say about grace? Right? The, the purpose of grace is to do what? Is to teach us. What was the end of teaching you? Is to do what? What do you say? To make you zealous for good, good work. So the purpose of grace is to produce good works. Right? You cannot, you can't produce good works without grace. And I said that good works are, is what you call fruit to God. Right? The fruit in the spirit are works, actually. They are kind of works that are appealing. And when God tastes the fruit, he can make his judgment. Is this good or is it bad? And I'm saying that grace is that investment, is the, is the capital. Grace is a capital in the spirit that God will invest into his soul to, to do good works. But to produce that works, grace must initiate the process of salvation which involves many things, denials of things. Grace will counteract lustful living that is, that is manifest by the passions of men. Passions. What are my passions? What are passions? Passion also means, ex- demonstrates itself as works. Right? Aha. Uh-huh. Glory to God. Then, so verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see this not of works here. is now telling you, these works are not the works of grace. These works are all the other works which men have. Like the, like the works which these Jews came, had inherited in their religion. You know, the Jewish religion is a religion of works. They believe that the most certain works that is so a person must be doing. And those works are, are foiled by um, a different, you know, every, behind every work is a kind of zeal. Do you see that? Paul in Titus said, unto good works, zealous for good works. But Peter, Paul in Romans chapter, t- chapter 10, he said that my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. So this zeal for God is not really a good thing. No. This aspect, you say, ah, but they have zeal, but they just lack knowledge. <laughs> no, we say that sometimes. Wow, with so much zeal. Keep up your zeal, just add knowledge. You can't add knowledge to this zeal. This is not a good zeal. <laughs> this is the zeal that killed Jesus, you understand? So, it can't be a good thing, you know. <laughs> Praise God. So, so this zeal, so they have a zeal of God, but not according. So Israel was special. You know, their type of zeal was the most, the most dangerous, right? Because it wasn't just a zeal of physical stuff. Their zeal entered into 
their aspiration towards the divine, right? That inside a Jewish man, he believes somewhere he can appease God by his works. That's the, the concept of their religion. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's actually a zeal of God, but it's not what? According to knowledge. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not done what? Submitted themselves to the what? Righteousness of God. Praise Jesus. So that's the kind of work. He said, not of works, lest any man should do what? Boast. Because if it's saved by works, men will boast in their own works. Now, see verse 10 now. It says, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Praise God. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So the, the workmanship, there is a workmanship that is created in Christ Jesus that workmanship is a particular work. Right? The way the present creation that we see, the Bible calls them the works of his hands. Right? The, the creation, the physical creation, are called the works of his hands. The same thing even with the first man who was created. Also, is also a, a work too of his hand. But this is speaking about another workmanship. But this workmanship is created within, is in a man. It is, what's the meaning of that? It's a workmanship which God did, but you will, the prototype of that workmanship is in Christ Jesus. Now, why are they using the word workmanship? Why didn't you just say you are his creation created in Christ unto good works. That would be accurate. But when they say workmanship is telling you something, there's an additional information about the reason why this creature in Christ was done. Right? The, it's the creature was to demonstrate a workmanship. It is in the, in the creation or in the creature, you find a workmanship. What is the workmanship? It is like, um, can you explain it? Do you have the English? Workmanship means the syllables of a work. Or it is the, the workmanship is the, the, the record or the information of a work. Is a, workmanship means the, a fellowship 
of works. Do you see that? Is a, if you go to a workshop, there's a workmanship. Or a workmanship actually is the kind of fellowship of workmen. <laughs> is a, and when you go into that workshop, you can, if they give you access, you can take it, you can view the workmanship. How do you do? You observe them. Just maybe a whole day, maybe while they want to finish a task, you just stay there. Maybe it's repairing an engine of a car. They bring the engine, you, you just walk, the, you watch the workmanship. In that workmanship, there are many things. You can check maybe how they start their day, the safety precautions, they check the log, has this been done, has that been done, the pr- safety practices, all kinds of things. Then they now bring the car, everything they follow, the process of how they drop the engine. They, I see what I'm showing. They are, you are not just looking at, if you look alone at just an engine, you can't see the workmanship. You have to go to the factory. It's in the factory where they design the engine, right? Do you get what I'm saying? You drive your car, you can see the car, but you can't see the workmanship. It means you cannot see the fellowship of the works that produce that creature that you're driving. But go to the factory where the workmen are doing the work, how they put the engine together, how they raise it in, you observe the workmanship. And then when you're observing the workmanship, if you're able to capture everything about the workmanship, you are, you are potent. You gain the power of multiplication, of reproduction. So you can't reproduce a car by seeing a car, but you can reproduce a car by seeing the workmanship of a car. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can, you can produce another one because you've, you can't, you, you know, even if they, they give you all the parts, let's say the, the, I come to your house now and I, I'm, able to, I'm able to order all the parts to make up. What's your best car? BMW. BMW, okay. I order all the parts for a BM and I ship them to your house. And I say, okay, everything about BM, you have it. Can you turn this into a creature <laughs> of a car? Something is lacking. You lack the workmanship. Now, workmanship is important because Christianity is a business of reproduction. It's to reproduce something in man. What do you, you are, is, first of all, the first thing they must reproduce is a creature. A, the Bible calls him the new creation. The new creature. That creature is in a person who is the prototype. Jesus Christ is the prototype of workmanships. So when you are when you're learning Jesus, Jesus is not just a guy you pray to. He's not just someone you... He's a workshop. Jesus is a workshop that you go to to learn work. What kind of work do you learn in Jesus? Is the, is the work of what? First, two things that must happen. You must learn the development of 
the creature called Christ. That's the spiritual man. Who is the spiritual man? The spiritual man is a person who is zealous for good works. Do you see that? Yes, sir. That, and I, I've described everything about that zeal. I don't know if you understand me. Yes, There's so much about that zeal, being zeal for good works. You must have dealt with the world. Yes. It's lost. It's corruption. Many, many of those things. For, that, for the pure zeal for good works to arise. You will not have the interest, the, the, the capacity for good, what God calls good if you've not dealt with all those other interferences. So the dealing of with those things that stop this zeal for good works is in a creature. Do you see this workmanship? Someone I was describing to you about the denying ungodliness, worldly loss, all of those things. Those are the workmanships of Christ. They are, the, they are the workmanship of what? Of Christ. So, what is Christ? Christ are the, is the work you must do so you can walk. Do you understand that language? Christ is what? Is the work you must do so you can walk. If you don't do the work that is of Christ, that's what they call the works of Christ. You cannot do the works of God. You can't. Everything is, a pers- is in this person here. It's a package of works. They ask Jesus, what can I do that I may walk the works of God? Simple question. The guy who asked the question, I don't know if he knew what he was asking, but he asked Jesus the question, John chapter 6, they said unto him, what shall we do that we may walk the works of God? This is the works of God. The works of God. And Jesus said, it's very simple. The idea of works, about that God has designed for men, to enable men for walking, is not really that complex like that. It's belief. On him, who he has sent. Believe on him. You know, believing on him is different from believing him. Is first of all get on him, then believe based on being on him. Believing on him is the belief that comes from being on him. It's the belief which he capacitates, him that has been sent. You must believe. You see, this believing is what I was talking to you about. It's not easy. There must be a shifting of that inward concept. That this belief is the, a kind of faith. What you call the faith of the son is a shift of belief. That faith of the son is actually for the works. Do you get what I'm saying? First of all, you must do the first workmanship. Praise the Lord. That, that first workmanship is the new creation. Right, we are created in Christ Jesus, right, unto good works. Now, what if you are created unto? It means that the creature 
In the creature, it's not that work. The creature is for the works. So, if you want to say, what, are, what do you call good works? Good works are the works of God. That's what you call good works. The works of God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But if you've not dealt with, there are some, with a lot of things, you will not be able to do this work. Jesus said it, that I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. Do you remember? Is that John 9 or so? For I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. If you can go there. Glory to God for the night cometh when no man shall walk. John 9 verse 4. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Then it says, the night what cometh. When will happen? When no man can walk. What is the meaning of day and night here? Day and night is just saying that the, the works which um, must be done is, is prescribed according to is, uh, they, are, they, are, they are light works, L-I-G-H-T. That the works is light defined. You can see why now. You can see why you cannot define good without light. Right? Light is the light is the is the capacity for choice. You can't choose without I would choose that the good and and reject the evil. You must shed light. If there is darkness, nobody is choosing. You can't choose. How do you discriminate between good and evil? Do you understand what I mean? So, so you can see when, why the works of him that sent me must be done under a light. There is a, a, a certain light that must now shine. So the, 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 the giving of light by God is according to what works should be done. That's the secret of seasons in God. So that, that every season of light is, to, is for the definition of works. Whenever you are under a season of light, that light you are under is defining certain works. Just know that it's, for, it's to illuminate works and it's to bring the capacity for judgment yes, of works. Yes, the night cometh when no man can do what? Can work. Let's go ahead. Jesus began to, to explain further. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, Jesus mentioned it in the chapter before. He said that I am the light of the world, that he that followeth me will not walk, walk in darkness. When you're talking about walking, you're talking about walks. Why do I say that? We just read it, that it was created unto good works, that it was before ordained. God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The, uh, the, walk, the works which God de- designed for men to walk in are God's own works, which the soul should walk in those works. Praise God. But 
you can't walk without light. Your walk is light defined. The Bible speaks about the path of the just. It's a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. It speaks about the word being a light unto, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That, that the work which God is defining for the soul to do is the soul taking the right steps according to the light which God is shining. The ability to to interpret, for you to walk according to the right light, you must be able to interpret the light, right? And then be able to measure out steps that is in line with the light which God is shining at every season of the day. Glory to God. Um, The ability to measure out steps, glory to God, based on light is what God calls working. Work in. Work is stepping according to light. How did Colossians chapter 1 put it? I'm just showing you different scriptures. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. Before he said that, he was teaching about that he needs to, the opening of the eyes. Let's see. Glory to God. Um, Colossians chapter 1. Say, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all what? Wisdom. And then what? Spiritual understanding. So what is, is calling the filling with wisdom and spiritual understanding is actually the giving of a light. The Ephesians 1 prayer is the same prayer. Explain more. It started more from the beginning, saying he will grant unto you what? The spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of him, that your eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know. Do you see that? Later, an aspect that, that you might know that which the exceeding walking of the greatness of his power, which he wrought in Christ when he what, raised him. That is what which was there's something wrought in Christ. That what is wrought in Christ is a work. Do you see that? And that work, you must the soul must come under the seizing of a light. Is what would that light do? That light is to illuminate the works in a person. In Jesus. Is for to see what? To see his workmanship. What is the workmanship? That which he wrought in Christ is the workmanship which the light must illuminate. Glory to God. Colossians chapter 1. Amen. Amen. That uh, you might then what? Go back, please. Okay. Understanding. Thank you. Verse 10. Um, That you might then begin to do what? Walk worthy of the Lord. Unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. And then what? Increasing in the what? In the knowledge of God. Say being fruitful. In every good work. Glory to God. Amen. Being fruitful. In every good work. Amen. I can't preach anymore. You guys have left me. <laughs> Amen.
Anytime it gets to two o'clock, <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, glory to God. It's, um, just capture this in your mind that um, the, the season, when, when light is changing, is the season of defining works. Just, you have to know that. When the light is changing, it's to, it's to, it's to shine light into certain works. And those, those light works are works that have been done in a person, in him. It's to, do you understand what I mean? It's to see the, the things. The, the, you can't come into the workmanship unless you're able to tune your eyes. And it's not easy. It's not, very, it's not easy to take your eyes from because this, you are surrounded by works, busyness, things. There are things to do. And the devil is wicked. When the light of his season is coming, he knows that it's time to, to because the only way you will bless the soul is making them see certain things. Sometimes you will find a way to increase the intensity of the busyness of the world, of corruptible works to, that can call the zeal for the soul. But in such a season, those who are spiritually enlightened, you know, it's, it's a skill that you have. You know that every time light is shifting, you know that it's time, opportunity, and chance has come to see more things in him. Discernment. Do you know what I'm saying? It's to see there are things in the Lord Jesus for every turning of light. Jesus was teaching that he's under, he himself, that as he was doing the works of the Father, he said he must do the works. I'm going to do the works of him that sent me. He said, while it is day. That day, you don't know what day he's talking of. But he himself, he wasn't telling, he was just saying it, that it's about me and my works. So it means that for every work I'm doing, it's prescribed by the day I'm under. And for each day, I must finish before the light of that day turns. Before it's night, I must, because that day gives me a time span when it will share this light. Or for that particular allocation of works. It's an, it's an attitude that Jesus was teaching. I must, don't question, they were, he did a miracle, and they were questioning him, why do why, you know, all of those kind of things then. Glory to God, and he said, look, these things must be done. Even though he uses, he used things that manifest to speak, but it's a principle about what he was doing on the inside of himself. Glory to God. He, Jesus Spoke the way he spoke, there's that sensitivity to seasons and times, not his own, but the one that God defines. Jesus was a man walking under, under the, the, the dynamic movement of God's light. Right? The, the seasons of his life were calibrated according to the light God was shedding per time. So he had the discipline of of coming into all the what the the things which the the days which God and the light which God brings upon his soul is shining upon him to do. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The Lord will help our heart. It's uh, this is a time of um, this time calls for great discernment. You know that discernment in levels. The deeper the discernment. The, the more tendency you are to go weary because as you are journeying, you are getting far and far removed from the corruptible 
frame or definition of reality and all of those things. But strength must possess you in this time. Glory to God. To, To see Jesus. To look in the spirit. To stay in the spirit. Glory to Jesus. As heaven is shedding light on him and illuminating the Lord. You've seen, we've thought about it, how you are, that every time there is a revelation from God, it is coming in the backdrop of a present darkness, right? It's the darkness coming from the covering cast over the nations, over the people. And you said that when they are raising the man-child company, the light that they use will not appear normally. When you look normally just upward where light is coming, the light there is evil. Jesus spoke about that time. I won't take you from the world. In the season where there's still evil in the world, but there will be a wisdom of keeping you. It's the wisdom of the child in the womb. is to connect a different light that is not coming from the present spread of the firmament. You get what I'm saying? It is another illumination to, for your eyes to see what was wrought in Christ. Do you get what I'm saying? This is the season. This is the season of beholding the person. There will be a time when all, uh, the all eyes will see him, but they won't be seeing him in this kind of tasking way. They will, be, they will see him in another way when he has come and manifested fully with witnesses. Do you get what I'm saying? Those witnesses will be the one who will witness him to the world. There will be a, a new heaven over, over the earth. There will be a time it won't be hard to see God. There will be a time believing that physical things is all there is will pass away. It's, it's deception. It's an evil, evil being in the air that makes men calibrate life according to corruptible things. There will be a time that all eyes will see him. Those who pierced him, they will wail because of him. Glory to God. But before that kind of season, you must have your understanding. Don't be deceived. Glory to God, you must have the ability to discern power, to discern the, the, what, the, the, and use the light. Glory to God. To, and align your walk according to the works. Let's just pray. Um, thank you, Father. We give you glory. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Mashivrahano. Kariyama Supra Heaven. Begin to pray for more insight into the person of Jesus. That the Lord will help you all your perception that just ask, ask the Lord I, I want to see nothing but you I just I just want to see nothing but you I want you to turn my turn my gaze away from corruptible things and heal my heart from 
the estimation which I put upon upon things that are corruptible. And help me, help my soul, help my heart. I want to begin to, to discern you. I want to begin to see you. I want to begin to see the workmanship in you. That which you wrought in Christ. When you raised him from the dead, set him far above all principalities, all powers. Open my heart. Just pray. I want to begin to see your works. Ask the Lord. I want to begin to see your works. As clear as I can see the heavens. When I look up. Help me. I want to begin to see your works. Give me discernment, accurate discernment. Senses, cause my senses to be exercised. Teach me how to choose the good, how to refuse the evil. Help me with judgment, help me with sight, help my heart, help my heart. Help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Ask the Lord, I want you to shine in my heart. Shine in my heart. Shine in my heart. Shine in my heart. There's a light that needs to shine. There's a light that needs to shine in my heart. This God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shined in our hearts to breathe the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. God can cause, he illuminates the face of Jesus to you. Ask him, illuminate your son, make him shine your light on him. I want to see him. Make him no longer hidden to me. Keep praying, just pray. Thank you, Father. Ask the Lord. There is a light that needs to shine in your heart. Just ask the Lord. No man knoweth the Son except him to whom the Father will reveal him to. Say, Lord, shine in my heart. <laughs> Thank you. Keep praying. We are not stopping. Please. You need to pray. Thank you. Light must shine in your heart. In your heart. Say, Lord, shine in my heart. Shine in my heart. the Lord, I want to begin to see works, works, good works. I want to begin to see good works. The revelation of works. Ask the Lord, pray please. 
thank you, Father. Say, Lord, we want to begin to see your works. Open our eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Send the light to reveal your works to me. darkness. I want you to pray, pray that prayer. The same way Jesus said, he said, the Father loved the Son, he showed him the things which he himself doeth. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, show me, show me, show me, show me. We can't assume assume half my heart. I want to see. I want to see. I want to comprehend. I want to comprehend your works. Let the works of grace begin to appear to me. Enlightenment. Help my heart, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 Ask the Lord, show me your workmanship. Show me the workmanship of the new creation in all its details. shop of Christ. Let nothing be hidden from me. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm seeing the Lord turning on new lights on the inside of, of us. I'm seeing new insight. I mean insight into the things that matter. Not just a summary insight, but details. As Jesus was walking on the earth, able to see what his father was doing. What his father was doing means the works of the father. The works of God. And you also will begin to see. Because you will be granted that he will command light to shine. The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts. It will shine in your heart to bring the light of the glory of God. That the face of Jesus will become real to you. I mean, in a personal way, in a fresh way, in a real way. I'm seeing the the end of works that steal. So the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That the I'm beginning to see leakages will begin to be to be closed. Where the the leakages of life in our soul. Jesus said, I, I came. 
to the Son of reason For this reason, the Son of God is made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So that those works will begin to be destroyed Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. That the Lord will bring you to a point where you, you don't have the ability to do things that tend towards death Amen. and towards corruption. You will, you will begin to gain that strength to resist such works. And you will not struggle when it comes to the, the works of God, Amen. the works of Christ. You will no longer struggle Amen. because you will have clarity. Amen. You will have definition. Amen. So shall it be unto you. I'm seeing grace being released to Amen. you from the heart of God. As you have prayed, as many of you who prayed today, who spent time to ask the Lord concerning this, the Lord is saying to you, I've heard you. I've heard you. He said that grace is coming, that grace that appears to men, that teaches them how to deny ungodliness, how to deny worldly loss. You begin to move into seasons of denials, where loss that have been so strong, that have magneted your soul, you begin to gain strength to deny them. In the name of Jesus. Courage from the spirit. Strength from the spirit. Grace from the spirit. Will rest upon your soul. In Jesus name. Father we thank you. We give you glory today. Thank you for blessing us. We know you have blessed your children. Father we receive these things. Holy Spirit continue the ministry. Continue to minister. Don't don't leave our hearts alone. Until we become full inheritors. And possessors of these things. Thank you, our Lord. We give all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.